0: Love Talk Radio.
1: podcast with sam rich and mike good thursday evening to you and let's see let, let, let's look out at the figurative landscape is there anything to talk about today in Metzville? i don't know uh, maybe there is so sam uh, sam let's start with you i'd like to bring on my two co-conspirators on the podcast first of all the uh the brain trust behind this podcast the man who keeps us going energized energized and motivated mr sam maxwell so sam how are you tonight where do we find you tonight you know,
2: I'm, I'm just randomly in a, a parking lot in Fairlawn, New Jersey, in between rides uh, on the Lyft application. Uh, it's nice to, to talk a little Mets. You know, I think what's interesting is that there's a lot to talk about, but a lot of times the Mets make news in what they don't do. A lot of times the Mets are not actually technically in the news, but because of their inactivity, they are a major story. Um, I am currently in my 1986 World Series logo Mitchell and Ness shirt with a uh, a Mets uh, uh, the the round Mets logo on the sleeve. So it's certainly that time of the year that you're thinking about the Mets and their the times that they were in uh, October baseball and getting back to that October baseball. And I think as we sit here with the Nationals having a 2 nothing lead in the World Series, uh, the Nationals are a good indication of why so many people are high on the Mets if they were to make it in there. Pitching, pitching, pitching. And we're seeing it with the Nationals right now.
1: Amen, amen. And with that said, let me bring on my other co-conspirator in the Metsian podcast, hailing from the great borough of Brooklyn, Mr. Mike LeColent. Mike, how are you this evening?
0: I am Will Rich. Hello, Sam. Hello, Metzville. And since we're talking fashion, I'm dressed in my Brooklyn Cyclones hoodie.
1: <laughs> well, there you have it. And um and well before even getting into the content, we have another person on the line. I do believe it's Gary Mack. Uh Gary, is that you? No, it, it is, is not.
3: not. It's Mark Healy.
1: Mark, how are you?
3: Hey, what's up, boys?
1: Hey, Mark, how are you? So where do we find you tonight, Mark?
3: Well, I'm a little bit better than I was this morning when I found out for real that uh, Girardi was going to the Phillies. Let's put it that way. Um, Extremely disappointed. I kind of thought that when it didn't happen quicker that it was starting to become obvious that – um something was afoot and um the more that i read the more that i talk to people the more that i kind of i guess i don't know to me it was like you had one job that was a guy you know i mean i i don't think that that it, it would be a disaster if they hire someone else i just think that he was perfect for the gig and i don't know about you, the rest of you but i think that um this was clearly a Brody decision. I don't think it was an ownership decision. I don't think it was a money decision. Um, I know that that's the popular, um, you know, the popular narrative right now. But I think it is a situation where Brody wants someone who's going to really kind of be him in the dugout. And I didn't see Gerardi. Uh, I guess he didn't see Girardi as being the guy that would be that person.
1: Well. Mark, that's a good jumping-off point because, um, you know, as I was thinking about it, you know, we could talk about the bullpen. We could talk about Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil and and all of that sort of stuff and and Robinson Cano. But at this point, you know, we can't really because there's a huge burning issue on the table. And, Mark, you've teed it up for us. You know, Twitter is in a rage. Um, Lots of Mets fans are in a rage today because today, as Mark alluded to, you know, the Phillies – hire Joe Girardi as their manager, and many, I would say, 80% of Metsville felt that Joe Girardi was the best fit for the team for a lot of different reasons, That's the, that's what we need to get into. So, Mike, well, let me throw it to you. Tell me your opinion on why Joe Girardi is not managing the New York Mets, and how, same two questions for everybody, why is Girardi not managing the Mets, and how do you feel about it are you taking it from the perspective of okay but there's going to be somebody else out there who who might be just as good or better or are you taking it from the perspective of another Mets fiasco so mike you first
0: rich i have numerous opinions uh but for sake of playing contrarian i'm going to speak like an angry fan and say it's clear that the mets didn't want anyone with a backbone uh and it's clear uh that they want a yes man, be it answering to Brody or Jeff or both. Uh, Joe Girardi out of the picture. Buck Showalter hasn't even gotten a sniff. I, you know, I, I have no. I, I'm not shaking my pom poms for Dusty Baker, but he didn't get an invitation to a second interview. I, and I'm not so sure he received an interview the first time. Uh, point is, you know, the veterans out there. Uh, are out of the loop, and they clearly want someone uh, who's uh, a freshman, a freshman at managing in the dugout. I don't care what their credentials are. I don't care what kind of experience they are. Uh, the rest of the list features just that, freshman. in uh, another time and another place and another frame of mind, Rich, you know, I'd be open to that. Davey Johnson was a first-timer. You know, there's first-timers all over the place. Alex Cora was a first-timer. I'll throw out tons of names. At one point or another, they were all first-timers. Bobby V, I remember when he got his first job. Lou Piniella, Socia, Tony La Russa, Felipe Alou, uh, Bruce Bochy. I remember when all these guys were first-time managers. So you got to start somewhere. But right now, the Mets needed to do the logical and safe thing, which was hire a manager... Uh, with a track record of Joe Girardi's or Buck Showalter's, I said it last podcast, very, very, very frankly. I want Buck Showalter, but again, he hasn't even gotten so much as a snip. And I, you know, and here, here's, here's the other part of this whole equation, which you know, this is a changing of the guard, and this is the more sensible me speaking now. This is the changing of the guard. When I started watching baseball, you know your Earl Weavers and and your Danny Martogs and and your Dick Williams and, and 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 you know your Chuck Tanner's. Those were your managers, and they gave way to a whole new generation of managers, who have since given way to another generation of managers. So now we've seen with Socha, uh, and and and. Even Bobby V's and Yaboshi's, uh, you know, he's retiring at the end of the season. Clint Hurdle got fired. And, and what do we have? We have a lot of first-timers. Aaron Boone, I said, mentioned Alex Cora, but there's numerous others out there who are, are, you know, of minimal managerial experience. So, on the one hand, this is a changing of the guard. It's the natural lay of the land and and, and a an evolution of baseball. It's just that when you're living it, when you're in the moment, it's hard to step back and see the big picture and say, well, this is just a natural cycle. But back to the Mets fan, they blew it. As far as I'm concerned, they blew it. George Girardi was my second choice. I'll say it again, Walter is my first. In either scenario, they blew it. So whichever direction they go now, oh, boy, do they need to make this work.
1: Fair enough. So, Mike, I, your opinion then, if I could summarize it, would be that he's not the manager, Girardi's not the manager because they want a yes man, and Girardi certainly isn't that. You know, Girardi wants some control. And your take on, um, on the future and your thoughts on it would be that they've got to get it right. You know, you, I think you're somewhat accepting of it that it's changing in the guard and that there's a new type of manager profile out there. But, goodness
0: me, they've got to get it right. So um, Yeah, so Girardi just isn't the malleable type, and that's exactly what they want. They want to hand down the information, and they want said manager to disseminate said, uh, said information.
1: Very good. Sam, same two questions. Where are you?
2: Well, first of all, I feel like a lot of this could be answered with a
1: tell-all book from Mickey
2: Calloway. So I'm hoping that that comes out at some point but he'll probably also also signed an NDA, so it's probably not going to happen. I'm torn as to, like, whether this is just Jeff Wilpon clashing. I mean, and maybe you guys can help. I I, I saw two different uh, places. Uh, I I saw two different sets of information earlier with this. He was supposed to get a second interview but took the Philly job, or he did have a second interview.
1: I believe he did not get a second interview. I believe the Phillies – But he, was going he had a
2: first interview last week. Right, So, but he was going to get a second interview, but that never occurred, and he took the Philly job.
0: Right.
1: Okay,
2: so, um, I mean, you just, wonder, you just wonder about Jeff Wilpon in all of this, just in terms of the dynamic between all of these guys and whether – I mean, they were ready to give him a second interview, and Joe said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to go with this team instead. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily that means it was Brody's decision because Brody. it sounds like Brody was ready. If, if Brody's the one mainly conducting all of this, it sounds like Brody was ready to bring Joe Girardi in again. And for whatever reason, Uh, Joe, I mean, it's not always necessarily about somebody shunning the Mets, and we have to remember that. You know, it seems like they blew it, but he also could just overall like the situation better in Philly, and it's really praising Philly more so than not going with the Mets, if that makes any sense. Um, But playing into what Mike is saying about the yes-man thing, had they been as aggressive as Philly about it, then it, 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 we would have we would have recognized that we would have heard about it, we would have seen about it. You know, as as much flack as people give Andy Martino, and and some people really don't seem to like him on Twitter, he was right in this situation. He was right the entire time about Girardi going to Philly and mo- more likely than not going to Philly. Um, he he. So you know you gotta. These guys work their asses off to keep on top of these beats and keep on top of these these uh, these sources. And and Andy Martino got this one right. Um, J- John Heyman sometimes, and now I'm going on a little bit of a tangent with these beat writers, but John Heyman sometimes uh, 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 surprises me because he's he's from the area. He grew up a Yankees fan, and sometimes he seems completely tone deaf when it comes to why the fan base. As pissed off as it is about Girardi going somewhere else, he's like, but the other six teams that are looking for managers weren't aren't pissed off at all. It's like, why is that? Why is that? That's moot, John. That's moot. (laughs) Anyway, um, I think, yeah, I think that that's basically some to summarize for you. Um, I I think BBW is ready to go. For possibly hiring Girardi at some point, um, Girardi either liked the Philly job so much, or something rubbed him the wrong way in the the, the first meeting that he took the to, he went with the Phillies, and and I and that's why I'm kind of curious about Mickey Callaway because. Mickey Calloway and his two years as Mets manager could offer a lot of insight to the changing of the guards that Mike is talking about.
1: So, Mark, we'll go to you. So, Sam, you're basically thinking it was, you know, partially yes, man. It could have been. I think I like what you threw on the table, though. We don't know exactly what happened. We have very good reason to speculate, but we don't know. And you're saying it could have been that Girardi just liked this. It could have been a Girardi thing, not a Mets thing. It could have liked what Philly had to offer, their trajectory, whatever it might have been. Um, So, Mark, we'll go to you. Same two questions. You know, why? Why today isn't Joe Girardi the Mets manager? What do you think the reason is? And are you, to use Tom Glavin's term, devastated by it? Or, eh, let's, let's see what else is out there.
2: Well, I'm not devastated by. That it. Was not Tom Glavine's term. Let's just remember that was not Tom
1: Glavine's <laughs> term. Right, right, right. <laughs> I
3: was making
0: a joke. You you're, you're being um, literal. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. right,
3: uh, I'm still recovering. I'm still recovering from uh, Sam talking about Andy Martino and John Heyman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I have a personal beef with Andy Martino because I I still have a problem with the whole Mets fans are racist. Uh, narrative that he continues to put out there as as you know any time any time a, a player of color is is criticized by the Met fan base it's because we're racists so and then when I called him on it he uh, called me dad so I'm not a big Andy Martino fan And as well, far as well, John Hammond is concerned
2: both of them I mean he sometimes he sometimes rides that same narrative when he was talking about Beltron being able to motivate an injured Giannis Destros but anyway
3: well I mean but here's the thing you know. Um, the, the, when you talk about Heyman and Martino, I mean, they are given stuff directly from Pond. Jeff Wilpon is friendly with John Heyman. He plays golf with John Heyman at one point at one time. Um, very, very friendly, the two of those guys and Martino works for a set line. So, I mean, I, and again, you know, I don't particularly care for either guy, but that's because, you know, um, they are Pond defenders. So I don't think as a journalist you should be defending the Wilpons or defending, you know, uh, management at all. You should be reporting on what, you know, what you see and what you hear. Not that, you know, let's spin it so that we, you know, um, look, I don't think that uh, Brody Brody Van Wagenen, um, I think at the end of the day, I don't think Brody wants a manager – that is going to be, a, you know, like someone like Girardi. Who the minute if you, the minute you would hire Girardi, you would never worry about the manager for the rest of the year, for the most part. You wouldn't sit there every pregame and postgame press conference questioning every single thing that he says because he's Joe Girardi. It has not ring and and has been so, so successful for so long, and it's almost as if. You know, the Mets didn't want that. The Mets didn't want that. happen. to me, I thought that would have made the most sense because this way people are just focusing on, you know, the two or three pieces that you need for, for the bullpen. You know, if you're going to bring in a center fielder, you know, just normal hot stove stuff. But now whoever they hire as manager, and I don't think they're going to hire Buck Showalter. I'm sorry, I don't. I mean, this is like the third or fourth time they've had an opportunity to hire Showalter when he's been out of work. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't want the Mets too. Maybe that's a great point. I think that what the, you make that point, Sam. That that you know, uh, maybe it was a maybe it was a, a um, maybe it was a Girardi seeing the Phillies as a better you know as a better fit. Uh, that's 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 totally possible. I did not get that when I heard Girardi talk so enthusiastically about the Mets personnel a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I I, I do think that. If you're going to bring in Carlos Beltran, and I've I've written this now uh, for you know the last couple of weeks, no one brings up how complicit he was with the whole Willie Randolph thing. Now he wasn't the ringleader, and I think I've even said it on this podcast before. He wasn't the ringleader. Carlos Delgado was the ringleader, along with Tony Bernazard. But Beltran was there, skipping along too, when when that whole you know coup d'état went down. And and the other thing too, uh, the other part of it is that here's a guy in Beltran who never, ever wanted the spotlight when he was a star player with the Mets. This is a guy that had to be begged into doing a curtain call from Julio Franco. uh, And a quote, I think I used it this week, I used a quote. He said, "What uh, you know, they booed me for three days, and now all of a sudden they love me? Uh, Yeah, Carlos, it's New York. Welcome. And when he went, and everybody says, oh, the veteran leadership with the Astros and the veteran leadership with the Cardinals and the Astros uh, and the Yankees, He was able to fold himself into those teams. He wasn't the top guy. He wasn't the star. St. Louis has like three writers. You know, the Astros, you know, they, they, you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about completely different situations. When he came to New York, this is a guy who's going to be in the spotlight every single day. He's going to be questioned. He's going to be on TV. He's going to be on the radio. He's going to be up front. He's going to get a lot of tough questions and he's a newbie. You know, the, 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 the media here is not gonna give him a pass. You know? So I'm just really I I'm at a loss because I don't see where the I don't have a problem with a first time manager. I, I and I think it was Bill that said, um <sighs> you know that all these guys at one point become first-time managers well you know Davey johnson had won a couple of world series with the with the orioles and had won championships in the minor leagues with the mets and he was also a scout in the Mets system when he was hired and he was also hired by frank Cashin. he wasn't hired by the wilpons um you know it, it, i just don't see where they go and i get it that you know i get it that the manager is not what the manager used to be. So the guy is going to be more of a collaborator. I guess that's the word everybody uses now. But, you know, you know, Cody did not exactly uh, light the world on fire with his first offseason. So I, I'm just really worried about where the direction of this team is going, especially when we might be looking at three teams that could be ahead of the Mets when you look at it right now going into next year.
1: All good points, gentlemen. And um, I, I think that a lot of the Girardi decisions, I think it was twofold. I think it was money and also control. And I know those aren't new opinions. Those are the common ones out there, but I do ascribe to them. Um, and I'll say this before I move on to the next topic. Uh, for some reason, I thought of Michael Bourne in this situation. And you might say to yourself, why in the hell are you thinking of Michael Bourne in this situation? Well, remember in the 2000, before the 2013 season, when Sandy Alderson made the comment, "Outfield, what outfield? I don't have an outfield, right?" They had guys like um, like uh, Anthony Brown out there, and they were going into the season, clearly rebuilding, and they really did not have an outfield. And Michael Bourne was a former all star. He was getting up there in years, about you know thirty four years old or so. And he was out there as a free agent, and it got to be February, and everybody's like, well, if you don't have an outfield and this guy's out there as a free agent, willing to take a short-term contract, what's the deal? The Mets waited, and they waited, and they waited, and finally he signed somewhere else. The analogy I'm making is I believe they did not want to pay Girardi, nor do they want to give him the control, so they waited, and they kept very slowly going through round one, and now maybe we'll start round two. So this way I think they were hoping that some of the backlash would be well the Phillies really wanted them so they pounced. And I really hope, I really think that on some level the Mets wanted another team to do their dirty work just like the Michael Bourne situation. They didn't want to pay him either because they were rebuilding. They didn't want to bring in somebody they had to pay. They'd rather just, you know, throw that team out there and let it lose and and what they they just waited for another team to do their dirty work instead of coming Not out and to mention,
2: it. It, not to mention there was the draft pick thing.
1: Well, there was a draft pick thing at the time, but, but honestly, I think that their draft pick might have been protected because the previous year. No,
2: no, they, they know. Uh, if, you remember, if you remember, it was like the 11th pick, and Sandy Alderson, right before Michael Bourne signed with somebody, which I believe was what was Cleveland, right? Um, he was trying to protect that 11th pick because the top 10 were protected, and that was the big hoopla because it was like, he was trying to like argue about like one game here and one game there or some, something like
1: that. You're right. That that did happen. And and I, I for some reason exactly
0: that, what I'm I'm sorry. I still know exactly what you're saying, Rich. I'm with you on that.
1: And that's what I think happened. I think they because teams move through this process. Look look at the Cubs. David Ross. They interviewed people. David Ross. Look at the Phillies. Interviewed people. George Ricardy. It doesn't take that long if you, if you, unless you want it to. And I think they, they played that as part of the reason to say, you know, let the market make the decision for us, so this way we don't have to say we don't want to pay this guy or actually give a reason. The reason we could point to is he signed somewhere else.
0: That's my can opinion. I
2: also, before we move on, can I just also mention about Buck Showalter? What I like about that idea with Buck Showalter is that there, there may – even more than Joe Girardi, who's still relatively young, there's no more win-now manager – that you could possibly pick, I guess, other than Dusty Baker, but Buck, Buck Showalter, I think, Ugh. I don't know why I I think Buck Showalter is more equipped to finally get over the hump than Dusty Baker at this point. But that's just my my feel about it because you know he I think he's even older than Dusty, but I mean these guys these guys are you know they know they're they're not going to manage for more than one two or three years at best. They're ready to win a world championship, and that's what they'd be hired to do.
3: Can I interject for a second just on the Dusty Baker, Buck Showalter thing for a moment? Um, Sure. You know, Dusty, I I think it's very fair to say that if you look at the teams that Dusty Baker has had over his career and you look at the teams that Buck Showalter has had over his career, um, I I think it's a fair point that Buck Showalter always had lesser talent than Dusty. You know, Dusty had Barry Bonds for all those years. Uh, how many how many times did Dusty Baker have a vapor lock in a huge game? You know how many times? Did, I mean, look, I mean, the players respond to Dusty. The players played for Dusty, but you know Dusty was as bad with the bullpen. Uh, and, and I mean, how many times did Dusty Baker bunt in in you know the last few years? You know, you know with either the Nationals or the Reds. Um, I, I don't think Dusty's the right guy, and I, I, you know, not that I think that Buck's the right guy either, but of of, I, I think if I had to pick between the two, I, I would go with Buck every time, you know. I, and I know that there's people out there that love Dusty. I know there's people out there that, you know, think he's a great guy to have in the organization. And you know, I loved him as a player. That's how old I am. I mean, I loved him as a player, but I, I've never really particularly cared for him as a manager because I've always felt that. You know, there are certain guys that are motivators. There are certain guys that do both. You know, I always felt that Buck was, you know, uh, good with the media, good with his teams, and very intense, but good with his players. And at the end of the day, you know, know, I really think that at the end of the day, Buck was the type of guy that knew how to win games when he didn't have, you know, maybe the best talent at his disposal. So that – that kind of is where I'm at with that. But I, I don't think they're going to hire either of those guys. I think you're going to see an Eduardo Perez or a Carlos Beltran or, you know, some 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 kind of, you know, just like the Robbie Cano trade came out of nowhere. You know, I think kind of, you know, I, I would love to know who this bombshell candidate is because if it's a uh, I
2: mean, yeah, yeah, oh, my were, God. Yeah, people were speculating about a Yeah.
1: We're getting oh, to that. I,
2: I would, I would love hate it just as much as I love hate Rod.
1: So let—that's exactly where I wanted to go next, Mark. You're doing a great job of teeing me up for everything I want to do. But thank you. <laughs> so, where I want to go well, next is—I've you know, is,
3: done, uh, done this talk show thing a few times. <laughs> you know our deal, right?
1: So, um, so where I wanted to go next is we've talked about Girardi and you know how we feel about it and, and maybe what the reasons are why he's not here. So let's go to the list of candidates. What I'm gonna ask you same two I'm gonna ask you two questions again. I'm gonna give you the list of candidates we know of and ask you if any one of them thrills you for any reason, what that reason would be. And then secondly, who you think the bombshell might be. So everybody same two questions. The candidates as we know them might go to you first. The candidates as we know them Carlos Beltron, Eduardo Perez, Luis Rojas, Tim Bogar, Derek Shelton. And a bombshell. I just love saying that. Um, so, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Do any of them thrill you, interest you? Why would that be? And if you had to, if I gave you $50 in chips and said put it down on on who the bombshell is, where are you putting those chips?
0: Well, they forced me to shake my pom-poms at somebody. So I'm going to side with either Luis Rojas or Tim Bogart. Uh, you know, Luis Rojas. I, I would definitely get behind the notion that he paid his dues. He's come up through the system. He's worked at each and every level, uh, and guys like that deserve a shot. You know, uh, Tim Bo, Tim Bogar, likewise. You know, he, he's put together a nice little resume, and he's ready. Uh, he's ready for the spotlight. Uh, I don't know if this is the place for him. Uh, that's why I have some reservations about Bogar. Uh, otherwise, I don't know much else uh, other than he played here and, you know, what we were able to gather then. But I would say Luis Rojas is my lead candidate if I can have Buck Showalter. Bombshell? I, I pondered this all day long. You see, A-Rod, I don't think it's A-Rod. Uh, his life is just so outstanding right now. I don't think he's willing to, you know, live out of a suitcase in hotels and get on planes and road trip, this, that, and the other and do it. No, he's having way too much fun in his life to give that up now. Uh maybe in 10 years perhaps. Uh I, I do think he has a brilliant baseball mind. and might actually be a great manager someday, but um, a bombshell. Rich, I don't know when when I heard uh you know her name fails me at the very wrong time. I've been talking about this all day and I'm drawing a blank.
2: Jessica Mendoza. Jessica Mendoza you go.
0: When I heard that and I was like, you know what? It sounds crazy enough, it just might happen. Somebody's gonna be the first to hire a female manager.
1: She is Brody's friend. That's where they know each other. They went to school at Stamper together. So, um alright, Sam.
0: And any Jim, of those please, guys... I, I apologize for forgetting her name. It's just pure stupidity on my part. I just want to put that out there. No, no, I know, I, 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 know say, I know you want
2: to say I know you wanna say the word bombshell again, Rich.
1: I'm going to thank you. So uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. So uh, the guys, who, and I say guys because they are all male, the ones that we know about going for a second interview. Do any of them thrill you, and why? And who could the bombshell be? Well, I'll just throw
2: out there. The other rumor was that the bombshell candidate is AJ Hinch. Um, but let's—I I, don't—I don't want to discuss that. Like that could be a potential. I feel I feel like that's a wasted space on Twitter right now, but hey, you know I guess crazier things has, have happened. Um, the Carlos Beltran one one it intrigued me because like I've my my um, my theory on why Mets fans hate Carlos Beltran specifically for the called third strike is because of the memory or of the idea, if you don't have the memory specifically, of Mookie Wilson, because Mookie just kept fouling those pitches off, and fouling those pitches off, and fouling those pitches off, and then, and then hopped out of the way, uh, and then fouled pitches off, and fouled pitches off, so like, that is ingrained a major moment in Mets history, uh, and so every time Carlos Feltron, the video of Carlos Feltron taking that called Third Strike Plays, Met fans know and feel about Mookie, and and, and it's just they can't they, they can't separate the two and so that's just been you know no matter how nasty of a pitch it was, you know he's a Met fan because of Mookie just wishes he would have at least swung at it and and tried to foul tip it you know um, but anyway like what intrigues me about Beltron is the idea of redemption and trying to to Kind of merge him and the Mets back together again because he is arguably the greatest position player statistically we've ever had overall, uh, but he just isn't getting any of that recognition because of the all of the negativity, the blame, the hashtag blame Beltron, um, and uh, you know the, the, the beef because of the knees and everything. But to 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 play devil's advocate in terms of him not wanting the spotlight. He made quite the bold statement, like literally was quoted as saying, I don't need to interview for anything else. It's Mets or Bucks. And so, you know, maybe after being with the Yankees, maybe after being with the Mets and having gotten that ring with the Astros and now he's he's retired, maybe he's just kind of learned a little bit more. I mean, you know, Terry Collins wasn't a player manager, and then he quote-unquote was too much of a player manager. Uh, So – People change. Things things tend to, to uh, uh, you know, be different at some point. So maybe Beltran has a little bit more education on it, and he's not going to be such a, a – he's not going to come off as bitter like he, he used to or, or reluctant like he used to. Maybe maybe something is, is different. Um, and I think uh, to round it out with um, – I, I don't know enough information about Eduardo Perez, so I'm going to pass – on that, but like uh, Mike was saying, I guess if we're clamoring for experience, even though it might not be major league experience, these guys that have been put through the ringer of, of the uh, some of these these minor leagues over the years would be the natural way of going about it, and and also uh, would be more of a parallel to Davey than anything else. Anything else? And and Louis Rojas, I think specifically, was has come through and had success within our organization. So that I I don't I think that would be a fair fair argument. And um, you know I think the ignorant ones would spin it incorrectly. Uh,
1: other than the fact that you know it, it was Girardi or Buster, a lot of people. So did you mention who your bombshell is?
2: Oh, and the bombshell. I, I, I'm going to go with the AJ Hinch idea. That's why I threw that out there at the beginning because I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I just don't have the mind for it to really like try to dig deep. Alex Rodriguez, Jason, uh, Jessica Mendoza. They've been they've been mentioned, and you know, I I I couldn't think of unless it's Bobby Valentine. I can't think of anybody. <laughs> no, it's it's a fair enough guess, it turns-
0: It's
1: a fair enough guess.
0: If it turns out being right. true, it'll be tampering, and Mets will be in big trouble.
1: That see, my only reservation oh. on him—they would have to trade for him, which they can do. It's been done before. And by the way, I don't know if you guys knew this. I read this. I was shocked that in the 2003 or three season or the 2004 off season, one or the other, the Mets were close to trading Jose Reyes to the Seattle Mariners for Lou Pinella. I read that, and it was credible it was from a reporter. Um, so no, I, I, never I actually
3: that. remember that. I actually remember that because I was, as when I was covering the Mets on a regular basis. Um, and, um, you know, it was, it wasn't so much that the Mets were willing to do that. It's that they were willing to trade for Pinella, And then when the Mariners asked for Reyes, uh, I believe it was Jim Duquette or, or Steve Phillips. I forget exactly. I don't know. It was Jim Duquette. And Jim Duquette was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was legit. I mean, it was a, it was something that was discussed, but it was really discussed from the more so the Mariners wanting, wanting Reyes. And, you know, I, I think the Mets were always intrigued um, by a Lupinella situation. That wasn't totally legit. I remember it. Cause I was, I was deep. I was deep into covering the, you know, that was right before I started Gotham baseball and it was, I was working for, um, associated press at the time. And I was covering the Met minor league system for Mets inside pitch. So I remember that really, really, um, vividly. I remember that happening.
2: So, so, uh, if I may take over hosting duties real quick and go around the horn, starting with you, Rich, um, and, and play the hypothetical game, would Lou Pinella have gotten more out of those 2003 and 2004 teams than Art Howe ever did?
1: Yes, but not enough to put them over the top because those teams were not good, and I'm glad the Mets held Reyes. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't do that.
2: <laughs> and go for Mike, Mike and uh, and Mark. Uh,
0: managers count for something. He could have gotten more, but like, as Rich says, not that much more.
3: I, I think they were very badly constructed. Um, I think that Steve Phillips. I think that I always felt that Bobby Valentine really paid the, you know, basically paid the bill for Steve Phillips' terrible 2001 and 2000, you know, 2000 and 2001 off seasons that were just terrible. Um, you know, the fact that the Mets, you know, didn't push. The fact that the Mets, you know, and that's, you know, there's always been that narrative that, you know, um, Olrude left because he wanted to go home to Seattle it was really his wife that wanted to go back. And I think if the Mets had offered, you know, 5 million more a year or 5 million, 6 million more, uh, to offset the tax, I think that Olwood would have stayed. And I really think that the biggest difference, and I understand that the 2000 Mets went to the world series, but John Olwood was so much better than Todd Zeal and so much more suited to what the Mets were doing at that point. When you look at, you know, just everything—the defense, the on-base percentage, the—you know—giving Piazza a guy in front of him like, you know, like like Oladudu—I I don't think Pinella would have made much of a difference on 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 those teams. You know, I just don't think he would because I think they were so poorly constructed. Um, it would have been very hard. I mean, I never thought Art Howe was a terrible manager. I, I just really thought that he was a bad fit, you know, for New York and Phillips. Again, did such a bad job, uh, you know, constructing those teams that I don't think any manager would help. Rick, yeah, let and, me and, and
2: I'll, I'll, I'll send it back over to Rich after it. But I was going to say that that um, at least Luke Pinella would have been more New York and would have had more of that attitude. Where Art Art was very uh, vanilla and boring. But anyways, I think I cut somebody off. Okay.
1: Um, all right, so so Mark, I want to give you a crack at that. Of the five candidates who are getting second interviews, does any of them pop for you? And uh, who do you think the bombshell is?
3: You know, I I kind of speculated the other day on the Gotham Baseball Twitter account that I thought that the bombshell candidate was Joe Torre, and I, the reason I I mentioned that is because when when it was somebody had recently asked Tory if he would be interested in managing again and he didn't say no right away and you know i know he's older guy i know he's you know 77 or 78 years old but if they're grooming somebody like Luis Rojas or if they're grooming someone in their system that they think could be a great manager i could see a situation where you have a Joe Tory on the bench and you know, a guy like Luis Rojas, on, you know, as a, as a, as a bench coach, kind of learning from Joe. Um, I'm not saying I would want that, um, but I, it's got to be somebody like that. It, it, to me, if it's somebody like A-Rod or somebody like, you know, A.J. Hinch, that would be, first of all, I'm sorry. I know we won a World Series. I know that team is really good. I'm not a huge A.J. Hinch guy either because I don't think he does a lot of managing on his own. I don't. But um none of those guys i mean I, I i can't see aj hinch in new york you know i mean i it's it's like it's like the the thought process of teams that don't draft guys from the northeast guys who are used to playing in the bad weather you know they go out of their way to like you know get guys that you know from the dominican who you know when it's like you know when it's 70 degrees they're cold <laughs> you know in new york um i don't know i right? I think they're going to hire Carlos Beltran. I think that's who's going to get the job, and um, I, I just think there's a lot of, I just think there's a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of quicksand patches. Uh, it, it, I'm not crazy about it, but I think that's who's going to get the job. I think it's going to be Beltran.
1: Well, uh, this is incredible because we did not rehearse this, and, and you're a step ahead of me again, Mark. So um, I, I was going to, my next question was going to be okay. We talked about. If any of the candidates popped for you and who the bombshell was. And my next question was going to be, we're talking about the New York Mets, everything you know about the New York Mets. Who is going to be the next manager? And I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to play this podcast back when they name someone. Let's have fun. Mark thinks it's going to be Beltron. I think it's going to be Beltron. Mike, how about you?
0: Uh, this isn't fun to say at all, Rich. It's going to be Beltron.
1: And why? Why is it going to be Beltran?
0: Because, just because. Because I don't want him to be manager. That's why. (laughs) How's that? To (laughs) screw Mike over
1: from Brooklyn. There you go.
0: Sam, who's going to be
1: the next manager and why?
2: Carlos Beltran. Um, um, Probably why some of the narratives uh, are being thrown out there about, you know, Alex Correa. Or what's his name, Carlos Correa? Excuse me, uh, saying that that Beltran's a great manager. You know, usually that's when you get you start. You start hearing that that narrative being played. You know, there were articles being written about Mickey Callaway uh, from you know Terry Francona or some other players. You know how good of a manager he was going to be. Uh, you know, of course we we saw the the. I mean, Beltran's obviously the one that made the news, but but you know it's it's just the narrative. You know, Mets or Bucks, Mets or Bucks. So if you're reading the tea leaves, uh yeah, Beltron, it sounds like Beltron, you know, he's he is familiar with the, the situation here and the fact that him and Jeff have had rifts before and he's still considering this team. It's 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 ponderous, but very, very positively ponderous.
0: Um,
2: I'm you know, I really like we we all speculated that Beltron was going to be bitter about his about being here but not only has he been very open to being manager of the Mets again but he also openly said that in an interview that he'd have to seriously consider uh, the Mets uh, you know for the Hall of Fame people thought that he wouldn't do that because of how the things turned out how things went so but he's a realist he's a smart guy uh, and he also doesn 't seem to be as uh, have as much animosity as we tend to 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 consider or or think uh within the social media Mets twitter world we We may have hashtag blame Beltron, but it doesn 't look like ha you know Beltron
0: blamed us you know well, Rich, right. with all that being said by all of us, should he get the job? I know everyone 's going to rally behind him. You know, it, we're, we're just talking on, what, October 24th. So I don't want anyone to really mistake what we're doing here. That's
1: true, and we will rally around whoever it is. Um, now, the one thing I would say, though, is I was hoping for a veteran manager, Girardi, Showalter, kind of a guy, with Beltran as bench coach. I'm a big believer in, you know, sit next yeah. to a veteran guy for a while, learn the way it goes, you know, learn the, get your chops that way, and then, you know, Beltron is a manager in waiting. He's being groomed. Willie Randolph was like that when he was the bench coach for the Yankees, when he had his coaching duties, and he got ready to be a manager with the Mets. And that's a typical pattern. Um, it would have achieved a lot. We would, the Mets would have gotten the experienced game manager that we all think they need. They would have been able to groom Beltron, and, and Beltron would have put a Mets uniform back on again. I still believe most of the fan base, and myself included, really admires the man still. There are some people, there's a fringe population who talks about strike three and all that nonsense, but it would have been perfect, the perfect scenario. Let him put the Mets uniform on again, let him mend fences with the organization, let him learn, manager and waiting, but that didn't happen. So now, if they do go with Beltron, all five of us say Beltron, right? Okay, great. Mark, give me a guy, and then we'll go to Mike, then we'll go to Sam. Just give me a name. Who would you want to have as the bench coach? Do you think it's okay to maybe go with Rojas and have two quote-unquote rookies, or would you rather pair him with someone who has some experience and who might that be? Take a crack.
3: You know, that's a tough question. It really is because you don't know who's going to make the call on it. You don't know if it's going to be Carlos. If, if again, like, you know, since all five of us think that Beltron's getting the job, um, you know, I would like, I look, if it was me, if it was me and I was the, if I was Brody Van Wagenen and I was making the decision, I'd want Carlos to have a veteran guy there, you know, a veteran guy who knows how to handle a pitching staff, you know. So whether it's, you know, whether it's someone that, you know, from, from you know, whether it's someone from the Mets system, Um, I, the, the problem is, is that so many people that I really admired that worked in the Mets system for so long are not there anymore. Um, and, you know, there there you know, are a few guys like Guy Conti that's just, you know, they're just too old. They can't do the – and I, I'm not an ageist. I'm just saying, you know, somebody's 85 years old, you know, like Phil Regan. I mean, I, I don't even think Phil Regan's coming back. So, you know, that's a grind, man, 162 games, 80 games on the road, you know, and all the work that you have to do, you know, prior to the season and you know, spring training and even prior to that. I think it's a grind. So I would like to see it be someone – who has been around, you know, uh, you know, and been, a, you know, maybe even a guy like a Clint Hurdle, you know, maybe somebody like that who could sit next to. But I, I don't think they're going to do that though. I think they're going to try to find a guy um, that Carlos is comfortable with. So maybe it's a Sandy Alomar, you know, Jr. Ju- uh, maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a Luis Rojas. I don't know. Maybe it's somebody like that. I don't know. But if it was up to me, I would want someone who had been around the block a little bit, somebody who's managed before, somebody who, you know, knows how to go to the bullpen or, you know, kind of say, look, let's overrule what the front office wants to do here and let's go get this guy. Cause I, I trust this guy. I, 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 hopefully it's a catcher. So I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if they make a lateral move, but you know, somebody like, you know, somebody like a, a Sandy Alomar Jr. Somebody like that, that, you know, has been or maybe a Rod Barajas, or somebody like that that Carlos, you know, ha- has some familiarity with that can kind of help him along, you know, during the process.
1: Rod I like it. Barajas. A Rod Barajas. Great name, right? So, Mike, who would you like, if we, if it is Beltron, give me a profile or a name of somebody you'd like to see as a bench coach.
0: I'll give you two. Uh, one, in, in a mentor capacity, somebody who is not expecting to be here long term, short term assignment, somebody who would be very comfortable taking a back seat to Beltran and guiding him through, I think would be Bobby V. Uh, you know, uh, a, a very transient situation, in and out. I, I, you have to think about the people available, people out there, people who you, who you would consider for this type of position purely mentor, uh I would give Bobby V a call. Otherwise, if we're talking about uh actually you know adding a piece to the coaching staff and to the organization, uh I would consider Joey Cora. He was Ozzie Guillen's bench coach. They won a ring together with Chicago. He was most recently third base coach with Clint Hurdle in in, in, in Pittsburgh. Hurdle got released obviously so he's available. And again I think you have to look at a, a the list of available people to fill that role. Uh as opposed to inventing one, contriving one, promoting one, uh et cetera. That's a good call, Alan. So I those, like those, that I
3: like that idea. Joey Cora makes a lot of sense. I like that. Those,
0: those you know, and, and those are very uh you know, extreme examples of, you know, what we're looking for. obviously Bobby V would come in to, you know, play that uh, that mentor's role, uh, whereas you know, working with Jerry Cora, that would truly be a collaborative effort. You know, to use a, a word from Brody Van R- Van Ragen's, uh crew, collaborative, uh, something they love to do so much.
2: I'd want to see the bubble gum, uh, the the bubble gum bubble contest come back. <laughs> Bobby Had I I've been able to say that better. Yeah. Better, it would have landed harder.
0: <laughs> I, I so Sam, know that baseball Bobby card is stashed away somewhere. I still have that. I remember it very vividly. Sam, you're I, on the Bobby V.
2: I'm always uh, on uh, Bobby V. You know, that, that I think that was a perfect storm in in 2012. You know, uh, for a while we were talking about, you know, near Jerry when, when Jerry Manuel was going to get by. We wanted Bobby V. coming back. Um, and it could have been a good situation, but, you know, it, it's really not what I need to go into right now. I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, I, I don't think he has any animosity towards the, the organization or the Will so uh, although it's funny that you, you really haven't seen him come back around all that much, as much as you'd expect him. I know he he's worked for S&Y here and there, but obviously he's Athletics Director of Sacred Heart, and that's that's uh, certainly going to take up a lot of his attention. So, um uh, yeah, Joe, Joey Cora, I know we've mentioned and talked about his name uh, before, uh, just in general, you know, he's he's gone through the ringer. I, I think that it's that type of experience that may be the direction to go, whether it's Joey Cora or a Louis Rojas, who has, you know, I think we're talking like he's been managing since 2008 in this organization. That's 11 years of actual in-game management day-to-day. So that could be the proper pairing. Uh, if you do think Beltron's the right fit for the job this early on in his uh, post playing baseball career so I, um, that that's basically not only some names but I think specifically Louis Rojas is a good profile with what the type of experience you'd want next to him, not some Jim Riddleman type who's just happened to manage, but somebody who's done it successfully, whether or not it's at the major league.
1: I like it. All right. So you are listening to a Metsian podcast with Sam Rich and Mike and our special guest, Mark Healy. Um, All right, guys, I think we have talked about the manager situation from basically every angle. Um, And we really can't call ourselves a, although Mets, a a baseball-oriented podcast and not at least touch on the World Series, which is going on right now. Washington has a two-game sit-on lead, a great game on Tuesday night. Last night, six great innings. Then Washington pummeled them in the late innings. And now they go home to D.C., certainly looking like they have a very good shot to win the World Series. So where I'm going to go with this, and Mark, I'll start with you, is you know, your, your thoughts on the World Series so far. Um, and let me ask you this, and I, uh, same two questions for everyone, of course. Thoughts on the World Series so far, and as a Mets fan, if the Nationals should win it, how does that land on you? So go with it, Mark.
3: I Before the season, uh, before the series, um, I made a decision um, just based on, you know, watching the Astros during that ALCS and just thinking about, you know, baseball being played in the world, you know, in the nation's capital. I said I was going to have a change of attitude, and I actually am rooting for the Nationals to win. My son is disgusted with me. But um, I just, I don't know, there's something about, I, I've always had a soft spot for Dave Martinez. Um, and you know this this national team is not the team that we uh, that the Mets you know you know kind of tussled with you know when the Mets were actually good and actually had a shot at winning things. This is not the Bryce Harper you know Nationals or the Jason Worth Nationals uh, managed by you know um, you know whoever pick your pick your poison Dusty Baker Matt Williams. Um, this 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 team just feels different to me, and I think that. Uh, also, I'm more of a National League guy than an American <laughs> League guy. Um, and I just, I don't know. To me, there's something about the Astros. And even before the incident with, uh, you know, the, the Sports Illustrated reporter, there's just something about the Astros that rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm just not a huge fan. I love Altuve, but I don't really like anybody else on that team. So um, how is it going to land on me if the Nationals win? Um, pretty much the same way when the Braves won all those years uh, when they won the pennant, not necessarily the world series. Um, You know, to me, the only team I really hate in that division and really hate like with a, with a vicious hatred is the Phillies. So, you know, the nationals winning just tells me, yeah, there's another team in the NL East that, you know, Brody said, come get us. And they, they did. So I don't know. I, to me, I guess I look at it differently because, um, I just don't have the same ferocity for the Nationals that I did, you know, that I do for the Cardinals or for the Cubs. And I, you know, I really hate those two teams. So uh, for me, you know, I'm sure a lot of Mets fans just hung up and aren't listening anymore after I said that, but um, I'm rooting for the Nationals. And uh, I like what I've seen, what they've done so far. I think the Astros are exhausted. After outlasting the Yankees, even though they you know beat the Yankees in six games, I think it was exhausting for them to play what I think is the second best team in all of baseball. And um, you know, I, it's not going to land me anyway. It's just going to you know just another year that the Mets underachieved. So I mean, that's that's how it lands on me. It just doesn't matter that it's the Mets uh, or the Braves or whoever would have won. Uh, to me, it, it lands on me that just another year that the Mets underachieved and let somebody else in their division, you know, move forward while they could have possibly been there.
1: Mike, same questions.
0: You know, Rich, as a, as a Mets fan, I, I have no problem. You know, I compartmentalize. I'm too much of a baseball fan, uh, you know, to let that kind of an anim- animosity get in the way. Uh, never saw the knocks coming like this. Uh, I, I think it's great for them. Uh, I, to go back to what I was saying before, it, I, I love the never-ending story. Whichever way it plays out, to me, you know, it's like reading a book. You don't know what lies three pages ahead of you. Uh, and, and that's the way I view it. So, whichever way it plays out, there's guaranteed to be a story. And that's what I'm more interested in. You know, and, and that being said, I think it's Not ironic, but, you know, as they say, history repeats itself. And look what we have. At the turn of the last century, you had the Red Sox dominating in 03, 1912, and 1915, and 16 and 1918. Well, what did they do at the beginning of this new century? You know, Uh, the Cubs did. They recently won the World Series, and they hadn't done that for a long, long time since. You know, again, they were good at the turn of the last century in 1906 and 07 and 08 and and 1918. And history is repeating itself. And so is Washington baseball history, the Senators. uh, We're talking 1924 and 25 and and 1933. And here we are. Washington is back in the World Series near a century later. Uh, and, And to me, that's what I've been thinking. These last few days, how uh, history repeats itself, and here we are in the early part of the 21st century versus early part of the 20th century, and I think it's uh, rather, rather baseballish, man. <laughs> you know, it's a sport with a long history, and and you see these cycles repeat themselves. And uh, last thing I'll say is happy hundredth anniversary to the Black Sox.
1: 1919. There you go. Um, Sam, same two questions. What do you think of the World Series so far? Any thoughts on that and how will it land on you if the division rival Nationals win the World Series?
2: Well for one, um I think it's pretty crazy how everybody said that the Astros were the most well rounded team in baseball and the Nationals are dominating them right now. Uh, at least at least starting mid game they start dominating. Uh, because both, both games, I think, have had ties or close games pretty into the game, and then the Nationals just run away with it. Um, I think that the Astros may have been playing with karma uh, with that, that whole incident, which was so weirdly vague when he was quoted. And, you know, I didn't know all the information about, about the closer, so obviously within all the context, it it brings it all together. And now they fired him, obviously. So the Astros, you know, I think the Astros may be in the same. I mean, you know, 1986 might be history repeating itself right here. Um, So the Astros need to kind of look towards a series of that nature and kind of, you know, take a little bit of a, of a play out of uh, the Metsian books. Now, in terms of the nationals, you know, I've I've been a diehard converted Mets fan since 2005, but I'd really say that like since basically 2011, I've really sowed my Metsian seeds. And, you know, starting in 2012, I've been to a lot of games since then. I've also started blogging about them, and I've really been so caught up with this era of Mets baseball, this last decade of Mets baseball, and I think 2015 really solidified that run and the way that it, it took over me solidified my complete and utter hatred for the Washington Nationals. I think with the Philadelphia Phillies, you uh, you kind of I, I, I know everybody you know has 2007, 2008 and remembers that of course, but you know the vicinity. You're always you're mingling a lot of family members are sometimes Phillies fans. It's I I, I know the term love hate relationship because they're still a rival, so you can never really love them. But I think you relate to the Phillies as a franchise more than some of these other ones, the Braves, the Nationals. The Nationals, I hate how they have acted like they deserve and have already earned. Uh, what was coming to them, or or what could have possibly been coming to them? Pa- a lot of that, obviously, I think, was the Bryce Harper mentality, the "Where's my ring" type of thing. And right now, they're ex- the Nationals are exercising all those demons, and the in the Phillies are going to have to exercise all those demons because apparently Bryce Harper carries the curse with him. Because this is what is going to be the narrative coming coming up is the curse of Bryce Harper. So um, uh, with the Braves. Every time I watch the Mets take them on and the Braves do anything against the Mets, I am reminded of how disgusting they look to me, (laughs) you know, just in general. So I understand that, too. And then the Marlins are just those pesky, annoying Marlins that I weirdly was very briefly a fan of and was also my first Major League Baseball game. But I I, I loathe them with a passion too. The division is filled with teams that I absolutely hate. But there's there's certain elements that come together: the blandness and the expected victory, as well as the way they've needled the Mets since basically specifically 2012. It 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 the what comes together for me and their fan base is just so there about, about it until probably now, obviously since it's the world series, but they've all, they constantly criticized for not showing up to rally behind their team, uh, leading, you know, as the playoff charge is coming and, and you see like you, you, you get just a, 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 a glimmer of hope for Mets fans and they are filling the stadium up. Um, but anyway, that's, that's basically why the last thing I wanted to do is see the Washington Nationals win the World Series. But I I am 95% sure right now that they're going to win because, and I said, I started the show with saying it, pitching, pitching, pitching. And uh, they've tightened their bullpen up, obviously, uh, but the starting pitching is is front and center right now, and that's why, you know, the Met. If they can get back to the promised land and keep the pitching intact, you know, it's it's the sky's the
1: limit. Well, it's interesting how they've addressed that bullpen. They've been using Patrick Corbin, you know, their number three starter, when they have to. And you have to give them credit for that. So you have to give them credit for doing what they have to do and recognizing, hey, look, you know, we have an Achilles heel here with the middle innings. So, you know, middle, late innings. And so if it's a seventh inning and Scherzer or Strasburg, if they're done, we're bringing in Corbin. We're not even messing around here. And you, know, you have to give in Davey Martinez, you know, with the, the illness he had this year. I don't think it's hard to root for this Nationals team. I get what you're saying, Sam. I get that their whole thing about, you know, we, we've we won a lot of games, but this entitlement and, and that they let
0: never won. One, one
1: season. thing here.
2: I forgot to mention, I'm sorry to cut you off, Rich, but one thing I forgot to mention uh, going to what Mark was saying, was like, you know, the, let's not forget that the Mets were right there, and had they won that last game that Sunday, they would have been ahead of the Nationals for the wild card. But just like 2012, uh, and I always think about the Bobby Parnell breakdown with the Jordani uh, uh bobble, uh, where they would have taken uh, over first place that, that night by a half game. It's, instead, they were down a game and a half. And, and like, just we have to remember that it that that – the rivalry between the Mets and the Nationals is not past. It 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 was front and center, and and honestly, the Mets what, what is even more frustrating was that the Mets arguably dominated the Nationals at certain points this this year. Uh, they they could have very well been the better team. It's uh, you know, uh, if had certain things fallen. So I, no, I they they need to lose. <laughs>
1: Well, and I'll, I'll leave it with this. You know, the reason I, I don't have such a distaste for the Nationals is because when the Chips, the Nationals wore the Mets out, 12, 13, 14. And remember, they were hitting all those home runs at City Field, and the Mets could not beat them at City Field, and it was damn frustrating. But when the Chips were down in 15 and 16, the Mets beat the Nationals. The Mets, you know, took the division in 15. The Mets went into Washington in September of '16 and won a critical series when the Mets were, you know, shooting for the wild card. So, whereas the Braves have have stomped on the Mets for years and years and years, and to me that that's just a, a worse feeling. All right, but I do. We, we are out of time. You have been listening to the Metsian podcast with Sam Rich and Mike. It's been a very fun show talking about Joe Girardi, where the Mets go from here. Um, so, you know, everything I'm hearing is Mets will probably have an answer around Halloween time on the manager. So about a week from now, um, we'll look forward to maybe Mark If you can come back and join us that night, it'd be great to kind of bring closure to this topic. Speaking of closure, it's time for our last word where we, you know, say one last thing on our minds before we call it a night. So Sam, why don't we go with you first on the last word? What's your last word for tonight?
2: My last word is three words. Tell the team. Just like <laughs> stop with this. Stop with this charade. These shenanigans. The the funny thing is, like right now, Jeff is probably at home being like, "Why aren't they looking at the positives?" This was we've made a lot of strides this decade, but it's it's just like they they they're they're not looking. It's the same type of mentality that. That, that that ignorant mentality that that Fred exhibited when he said that the Yankees' way of operating was not sustainable. Um, well, you know, like 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 you, you can't just look at all the baby steps. You, like like this is this is a New York franchise. Uh, regardless of what the Yankees do, you guys could be so much better and stop playing into this. You got to believe mentality as much as. We love the idea of coming from behind and, and achieving underdog and, 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 and being the underdog and, and, and achieving after people thought we were we were out of it um, it, it does, you can just still operate in a better fashion and, and there's just a lot of uh, mirror looking that needs to be done and regardless of what decisions made, regardless of the success, that this past year uh, was, and any success that the Mets had this decade, um, it's just so glaringly clear. I don't think there's one Mets fan that, that says, you No, know, I really think the Wilpons have done a stand-up job over the last uh, five years. So I'm pretty sure it's a 100% are just waiting in, in baseball purgatory for, for the baseball gods to, to give us somebody who, uh, can have a, a little less
0: hubris.
1: There you go. All right, Mike, what's your last word tonight?
0: Uh, I'm sorry, Rich, a statement. Uh, Brody Van and this is the end of year one of his tenure here, and it ends with the dismissal of Mickey Calloway. And this is Brody's Iwo Jima. You know, I'm a veteran, so I say when I just like that, you know, I do that in full confidence. This was his Iwo Jima because he finally plants his flag on the top of Mount Metzville, if you know what I mean. Before he even hires the next manager, this is him. God damn it, I'm I'm in charge, and I will remain in charge, and I will remain the face, and I will be in your face. I will continue traveling with this club, and you'll see me on the road. You'll see me at home. You'll see me on Twitter. God damn it, you're going to see me everywhere you look. That's the impression I'm taking forward.
1: (laughs) Well, fair enough. And, Mark, thank you for joining us tonight. And before you give us your last word, Mark, just uh, give everybody a note as to where they can find your work, and then give us your last word for the evening if you would, sir.
3: Well, you can always find my work uh, at GothamBaseball.com. Uh, we're doing a redesign because the book comes out uh, in April. We're, hope for, we're hoping for April. I should hear from the publisher in a couple of weeks. But I'll let you guys know when the book is coming out. And uh, just follow my Twitter at Mark C. Healy, M-A-R-K-C-H-E-A-L-E-Y. Um, I just got one thing to say. Uh, and always thank you guys for always being such great hosts and and being so hospitable to have me on. Uh, it's very much appreciated. Chief Brody, you better get it right. Because now it's your, it's, I mean, that's how I feel. Like, that's how I feel right now. You know, I'm like, I feel like, like you better be right. You know, now you, you got rid of the manager that you inherited. And I agreed with it. I agreed with the decision because I thought Mickey was terrible. Um, and he was a gee whiz goober on top of it. You know, he not, if it wasn't bad enough that he was, terrible at his job, you know uh whatever whatever things he did well uh you know maybe he was maybe him and Phil Regan were really good at getting these guys to be more consistent in the second half of the season uh you know from the, on the on the pitching standpoint he was just so inept in every other aspect of the game um sometimes you know i I get it that these managers have to you know follow uh you know the orders you know I know they have to do that, but once the game starts, you don't have to follow any order. And you're gonna get paid. You get fired, you're gonna get paid anyway. And if I'm gonna go down and if and if Nicky didn't think that he was going down if he didn't make the playoffs, that's that's just another um thing against him. Um, you know, as to why he had terrible instincts. Um, you know, you, you just better get it right. You know, you 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 traded for Cano. You gave up Kellynick, and you know my you know that there are people in the Met organization that are like lighting candles every single day that that kid doesn't turn out to be like you know uh you know a, a great all star caliber player, and even if he doesn't even if he turns out to be garbage, you know even if it doesn't turn out to be a good player, you know you could' have had Jeff McNeil playing second base all year instead, you have to play Robbie Cano, and the only other position you know one of the reasons I defended it is because I figured that Robbie Cano would be like his alter ego uh, Rod Carew and eventually become the first baseman. But now you have rookie of the year who hits bombs. So you're not going to sit him for Robbie Cano. So I just think that so much of what's happening right now, is just – it's very hard to be optimistic. And I just – like I said, you just better get it right because now you have nobody else to blame but yourself.
1: Yeah, uh, my last word is similar. Um, it, it's it's what now? Um, because okay, you know Girardi. I, I think they made a conscious decision. It wasn't a, a fluke thing. really you know, didn't just throw money in his face and he jumped. I think it was a conscious decision. They weren't going to take him in. They um, they whether it was money, control, some combination of both. Okay, fine. You made a choice. You're adult. You made a choice. I agree with Mark. Where do you go from there are other options out there Maybe it'll work But you have to get it right you abs- If this team regresses And people point to a lack of preparation Or you know, poor in-game managing Anything that could be accountable to the manager it will, It'll take a giant eraser And wipe out the progress made in the second half of the season So they've got to get this one right It's not the end of the world Because you already didn't sign here But they have got to make this the right choice I am not 100% confident they can or will, but I'm open-minded to the possibility. So with that said, it has been a pleasure talking Mets baseball and baseball in general with Sam and Mike and our very special guest, Mark Healy. Um, Gentlemen, thank you for your time tonight, as always a pleasure, and have a great evening, and we'll look forward to doing this again when there is someone in the manager's chair. So Sam, take us out the only way you, sir, know how. Let's
0: go Mets. Let's go Mets. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good Good night.